Always be in a state that you are seeing things clearly with no distortion. Always in every moment, keep your mind free of the entanglements of this life. We don't need to participate in this frenzy of consumerism and and appearances and keeping up with the Joneses because all of these things entangle us and dull us from being alert. I challenge you to look at your life and its activities, responsibilities, commitments, and ask yourself, am I living in the peace of God or am I burnt out and stressed out trying to maintain it all? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. It says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior. In this passage, Peter answers the question of, what do we do now on earth while we're waiting for his return? What is the posture of our waiting? What should we fill our time doing? Many Christians, sadly, have no expectancy for his return. It's not that they don't know he's coming, but it's just that it doesn't seem like a pressing issue. The lack of expectancy tends to leave us in a place of filling up our time with the things of this world while we wait. In fact, it seems as though nobody in our world is capable of waiting for anything without filling up the time. Waiting at a doctor's office, waiting at a bus stop, waiting for a red light to turn green, even waiting for the bites of food that our hand delivers to our mouths, the immediate response is to pull out our phones for a quick hit. A constant need and pressure to be current and not fall behind on the latest news, which by the way, in today's world... It's the entire world's news. If it's not our phones, then it's activities, events, birthday parties, going away parties, coming home parties, gender reveal parties, 80s parties, 90s parties, half birthday parties, that's a new one to me, and costume parties. And then there's the overwhelming amount of ridiculous holidays, all to fill up every sliver of time that we have. The Festival of Sleep Day, National Step in a Puddle Day. National Dress Up Your Pet Day, National Don't Cry Over Spilled Milk Day, Old Rock Day, Answer Your Cat's Questions Day, Rubber Eraser Day, Wiggle Your Toes Day, Be Bald and Free Day, which I'll be celebrating in a few years, Lumpy Rug Day, and the list goes on and on and on, all of which are attempts to keep the celebration going and to live life to the fullest. We spend countless hours watching movies and TV. We even have reality shows about people going on vacation, people shopping, people dating, and even people getting their pimples popped. So if we're not busy enough in our own lives, we can watch others be busy too. Most people are exhausted, burnt out, overwhelmed, collapsing, and at the end of each day muttering with their very last breath, carpe diem. Both parents and kids alike are on antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds, in therapy. It's so easy to get caught up in a world of celebrations because after all, these things will give us happiness and if we don't participate, we are defamed with the title party pooper. It is my conviction that all these celebrations, events, holidays, all point to the lack of a future hope beyond this life. 
The motivation is live life to the fullest because who knows what will happen tomorrow. Or as the famous saying goes, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. It's as if we are frantically trying to enjoy and squeeze out everything possible of this life because it's all we have. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 says, making the most of your time because the days are evil. But I have to wonder, is this what God had in mind? Now, I'm not saying that celebrations are inherently evil, but what I am saying is that whether it's being constantly on our phones, always at an event, always somewhere to go or somewhere to be, that we, and by we I mean Christians, have been duped into participating in the world system, which has a foundation of preoccupation with everything but God. We even see this in churches, promoting families and marriage, and yet it's very unlikely that you'll ever see families together because every member of the family has a separate event to attend. Again, I'm not saying that this is evil, but I do think we should give it a little bit more thought. In fact, let me reread the verse I just read a moment ago about making the most of your time. But this time I'll read the verse before and after to give you better context. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. He says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says, Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but make the most of your time. In other words, don't be like unwise men who waste their time, but make most of your time. In verse 17, he says, don't be foolish. Who's he speaking about? He's speaking of the unwise because they waste their time. But instead, he says, with your time, understand what the will of the Lord is. While the world believes they are living life to the fullest and living it up, God says they are unwise and foolish because they waste their time. With all this said, how should the believer spend their time? Turn back to our main text in 1 Peter chapter 1 and look at verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior. Peter, in this same chapter in verse 1, reminds them that they're strangers, those who are temporarily settled down alongside a pagan population. And so he gives believers instructions on our responsibility while we're passing through this world. Because remember, we are citizens of heaven. And so Peter here gives us five exhortations. Number one, prepare your minds for action. Number two, keep sober in spirit. Number three, set your hope completely on the coming grace. Number four, Do not be conformed to the former lusts. And number five, be holy. Let's take them one at a time. First, he says, prepare your minds for action. The word prepare means to gird up. And some translations actually read, gird up the loins of your mind. 
And this is taken from a custom of the Eastern nations who, when they had occasion to exert themselves, whether they were journeying or running or in battle, they were to bind up their long flowing garments by a girdle or a belt. It was a pulling up and securing the robe that would otherwise trip them up if they needed to take action. In fact, in Exodus chapter 12, the Israelites had orders to eat Passover with their, go- their loins girded, their shoes on their feet, their staff in their hand, ready to move at a moment's notice. Peter in this passage is specifically talking about our minds. The meaning is to pull in all the loose ends of one's thinking by rejecting the hindrances of this world. It could be understood, free up your mind. Things such as worry, fear, anxiety, jealousy, unforgiveness, and impurity. These things harbored in the mind prevent the Holy Spirit from using the mental faculties of the Christian in the most efficient manner, which stunts their growth in Christ-likeness. The words gird up or prepare, they're in the aorist tense which simply means once and, for, once and for all, prepare your minds or tie up loose ends in preparation for action. Kenneth Wiest, a Greek scholar, translate, translates this verse so beautifully. He says, Wherefore, having put out of the way once for all everything that would impede the free action of your mind. Wiest goes on to say, The Christian has the privilege of enjoying the wholesome mental atmosphere called, quote, Christian optimism in a carefree mind, not a mind devoid of appreciation of the seriousness of life and its responsibilities, but a mind not crippled or frozen by worry, fear, and their related mental attitudes. Living in this blessed mental state, the believer is ready and able to obey. In other words, Christians are to disentangle their minds from the cares and desires of this world so they can be always prepared for God's work. Next, Peter says, keep sober in spirit. The Greek word sober means to be calm and collected in spirit, to be temperate, rational, or circumspect. Notice he says here, be sober, of which the opposite is being drunk. He's not saying Christians are to never enjoy this life but rather do not be drunk or abuse the things of this world. Peter is saying, have a mind that is able to see things without the distortion which is caused by worry, fear, anxiety, and every related mindset. It's as if we're drunk on these things in this world. And he says, set your mind free. This is in the present tense, meaning always be in a state that you are seeing things clearly with no distortion. Always, in every moment, keep your mind free of the entanglements of this life. This is found everywhere in the Bible. Listen to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Very famous passage. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He goes on in verse 8 and says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. It's saying rid your life of anxiety by giving it to God and replace the anxiety with the list of virtues given in verse 8. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Jesus even commanded us in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so we are to honor God with our minds, which means to rid it of the allurements of this world, which stealthily draw us away from God and distort our view of the truth. So Peter instructs us to prepare our minds for action, keep sober in spirit, and thirdly, set your hope completely on the coming grace. Look in verse 13, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. He says, set your hopes completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word hope means an assured expectation. Having an assured expectation. No doubts of the coming grace. The words brought to you is a present participle, meaning it's already on the way. His return is not some future event that may never come, but rather he is on his way. One scholar describes it this way. He says, while we are enjoying this delicious meal, and speaking of the first two courses being enjoying justification from the point of our salvation and the work of sanctification by the Holy Spirit, he goes on to say, speaking of the final course, which is glorification, we are not worrying whether there is dessert or not. We know it's on the menu and it's being brought to us as soon as we are ready for it. And so we are instructed to set our hope completely on our Lord's return. Next, number four, do not be conformed to the former lusts. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Set your hope completely on the coming grace. And number four, do not be conformed to the former lusts. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. Conform simply means to be fashioned or patterned. In essence, he's saying, don't pattern yourself after the world. Don't look like the world. We don't need to participate in this frenzy of consumerism and, and appearances and keeping up with the Joneses because all of these things entangle us and dull us from being alert. Finally, number five, he says, be holy. Look at verse 15. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior. The word holy simply means set apart. Be set apart from the ways of this world. Don't get wrapped up in the world and its pervading anxiety, fear, worry, and empty lusts. We can all take a deep breath and give up our vain efforts to live like the world and keep up with the world because it's very, very basic. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Set your hope completely on the coming grace of Jesus Christ. Do not be conformed to the lusts. Be holy. I challenge you to look at your life and its activities, responsibilities, commitments, and ask yourself, am I living in the peace of God or am I burnt out and stressed out trying to maintain it all? You know, sometimes we need to stop everything to start the right things. I pray that God will lead you into all truth as you fix your gaze on Him and His purposes.